Welcome to Philosophy Friday, which we're not doing. Well, we are doing because it's Friday and philosophy, but we're actually doing systematics on our Friday. And then we'll do philosophy on our Saturday. Why? Um, I haven't really got an answer for that. I've been confused in the way that I've recorded these. And I just wanted to mess with your mind. And I want to keep it fresh and shake it up. So let's do this. All right, let's do it. So what we were going to talk systematic Saturday, we had planned to talk about the Revoice Conference. Yes. Um, so we're going to do that now. It falls under, you know, that systematics kind of thing, but we're doing it on Friday <laughs> for no rhyme or reason. Um, and uh, yeah, you just got uh, you got done. We just both got done reading that report that just got put out. Um, who was that by? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a collaboration of people. So what just maybe to fill in the heroes is in 2018, there was something called the Revoice Conference, mm -hmm. which was a conference run by a PCA church uh, that was in July 2018. So Memorial Presbyterian Church hosted the Revoice Conference in St. Louis, Missouri. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's, they were conservative Reformed Christians who affirmed the historic Christian doctrine of marriage. But they wanted to talk about gay Christians, sexual minorities, and queer culture. Mm -hmm. And so, very controversial. And uh, they publicized their talks up front, and there was a lot of pushback and a lot of, hang on, this is not quite right. And then they eventually had their, their conference, and um, it wasn't very good at all. And mm -hmm. as a result, the uh, Central Carolina Presbytery, put together a study committee, and this is the report that we're referring to now, which includes uh, the guy that drew me to it was Kevin DeYoung. Mm -hmm. So you can get that by just Googling uh, Kevin DeYoung Gospel Coalition Revoice Report or something, and yeah. um, and that should come up immediately. It's Just remember to click at the on the attachment at the end of the article. Uh, that stumped me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, or, or why don't why don't you uh, Google Central Carolina Presbytery Study Committee Report on twenty eighteen? Too many conference. words. Too many words. I give up already. <laughs> it's like no one Google's that many words, do they? Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. So yeah, I mean, what did you think about the report? I thought the report was incredibly gracious. Mm. Uh, what they obviously tried to do in the tone was to engage with the good that was stated. They didn't want to misrepresent the people who. <laughs> run the Revoice Conference or spoken at the Revoice Conference. Mm. Um, they wanted to, you know, very much put an emphasis on the fact that they were grateful for the traditional stance on marriage, yeah. grateful for the fact that they were not promoting a homosexual lifestyle. And uh, so they spoke about the good first, and then they, of course, went forward with the critique. And I suppose what's on my heart, and I think the two things that stood out for me that are needing attention, is the question of uh, SSA, same-sex attraction. Mm -hmm. Um, where uh, we have a lot of Christians now, even evangelical and even now Reformed Christians, thinking that it's okay to identify as gay Christians. Mm. Um, and uh, just perhaps another fun fact is recently the PCA had, and PCAs with R.C. Sproul, Timothy Kendall, Ligon Duncan, that's their denomination. They Timothy recently Keller, had. What's that? Timothy Keller, do you mean? Timothy Keller? Did I, what did I say? It's Timothy Kendall. Ah! Uh, 
<laughs> sorry, sorry, Kendall. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Timothy Keller. So that's their denomination. And they had uh, a vote on whether they should adopt the Nashville Statement, which is a statement on maleness, femaleness, and these gender issues. Mm. And the surprising thing was this, that 40% of the PCA pastors or representatives voted against the adoption of the Nashville Statement, which was very clear and, you know, obviously great, mm. um, which is incredibly disturbing, which whew, it's boiling inside of me. And I think it's some, a conversation we now need to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's scary. 40% is just cray cray. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's cray cray means very crazy. For the- <laughs> yes. It, <does. laughs> it, it, it kind of, um, yeah, just indicates a deep instability at that core. So, I mean, I mean, not cray-cray, but, you know, the PCA and the 40% thing. Um, And, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, those are are exactly the topics. And I thought the report was good in just identifying, just getting down to the issues. I also thought it it just, um, it got me thinking like, you know, my my initial sort of knee-jerk would be, listen, um, you're not identified. You know, I think Romans 7, for example, Yes. Um, you know, you're married to another. No longer does the law identify you as an adulteress, so to speak. Um, now, you know, you are identified in Christ and really you've got to protect that. And, and um, you know, I, I sort of had this moment where I felt like, okay, well, I get, and the whole thing, and not to want to make a crass analogy to alcoholism, but, you know, I feel for me, uh, there's something helpful there in terms of just you know, drawing the whole thing out and and uh, just just making sense of it all. Uh, typically, my approach with alcoholism is that um, you know, really, alcoholism isn't a thing. It's not you know, you get drunkenness, you get um, you get uh, a propensity to or a temptation and an inclination to want to you know sin in that way, lose self control, etc., and becoming intoxicated, and uh, those things are all real. Um, and you can be given to them and be mastered by them. But at the end of the day, I think um, in terms of the modern phenomenon of, of alcoholism, I would challenge a lot of what's behind that, especially uh, those uh, recovery methods. I mean, they're not, you know, there might be some elements in common grace that overlap and are helpful. But, the, the you know, I think there's a big worldview issue at play there that needs some pushback before you just go ahead and buy in. And, um, and so um, if someone... In, you know, basically comes along and says, "Hey, I'm a, I'm an alcoholic," and they're they're Christians. Um, I, you know, that's one of the first things I would want to talk to them about. I would want to say, "Listen, you know, you, it's impossible. You know, it's just not possible that you're you're labeled that way at some, you know, at some deep technical level." But I have been thinking recently, and this is just on the alcoholism thing. You know, when people do say that, and they did kind of bring this up in the in the report, often they mean, um, you know, not that they are identified as alcoholics, but rather that they have had this majority struggle, you know, yes. in their lives with alcohol, and they just want to let you know, not not so that they can get some sort of special category or whatever, but just so that you know you're just aware of what they're deeply, you know, they they have warred with. It's been the struggle of their lives. And they're yeah. not trying. To, they're not trying to lighten that or turn it into something else. They just want to let you know. And I think, I think, in some sense, there is there is a deep. Um, there's a relevant. Oh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? There is a a kind of um, 
a propriety to that because you know you do want a specific level of pastoral care you do want people to know about that it you know it it would be similar to um you know um anyone who's had any battles with lust and pornography i mean you know you want to make sure that you know if there's something going on you're letting your pastor know hey listen this is too much for me if we're watching a church movie and it has all sorts of stuff in it and you're like listen i have i am fighting the good fight over here yeah, I know maybe other people don't fight, fight this fight, but this is me, you know, and um, I want to let you know that I can't really be part of it for this reason or whatever it is. Um, there is something legitimate there. And uh, the last thing I would want to do is go ahead and crunch that and, you know, make it seem like people couldn't talk like that. And at that level, to talk about homosexuality and being identified as gay, as a yes. Christian, is totally fine, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't have We a want to make the it. distinction that you can say... What I mean by being gay is I'm struggling with, I've identified the sin of yeah. gay. I am struggling against the sin of gay. And I recognize it as not my primary identity, but the thing that I'm fighting against. Yes, exactly. And you are just, <clears throat> you can understand how frustrating it would be if you're trying to say that. And then some yeah. pastor's jumping down your neck all the time going, hey, but, you know, you just, you can't use that word and you can't, and he's just trying to get the point yeah. across, you know, basically. So I take that point and I feel that, and I think I've, you know, I need to really moving forward. I need to, to listen to that more carefully. Now, I don't know what your assessment is, but I mean, back there has been in the past. So let's think of the pendulum as it swings to both extremes. Mm. There has been in the past a triumphalistic attitude towards people who have struggled with homosexuality yes you know yeah. where uh, you know just come to jesus and you know you will be healed uh-huh. you'll be delivered you'll be transformed you know you'll overcome that sin and you'll be in marriage and you'll never think another lustful thought towards the same sex ever again yeah yeah and just so in the for- 90s and in the early 2000s that was that was the the way the conversation was going yeah i think largely connected also to the charismatic renewal at the time. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, the triumphalism of the charismatic movement, the perfectionistic mm. teachings, um, you know, the Keswick movement and mm. all of those other mm. holiness movements are all saying the same thing. Mm. But then, then people realize, hang on a minute, there are lots of people converting out of a homosexual lifestyle who continue to struggle, mm. who think that they would be sinning against their wives as they married them because they don't love them or they don't desire them or they, they revolted by the whole thought of, of uh, having heterosexual sex. And so all of a sudden people have realized that there are a bunch of people who continue to experience the wretched man of Romans 7. Mm. And it seems to me as if the pendulum swung to the other extreme now. Mm, mm, mm. But now there is an endorsing of the desire as opposed to the opposite extreme of just completely overcoming it. And um, that seems to be the climate that we are living in. And I think what the, the, the report of the Revoice Conference is speaking to. Yeah, I think so. That's that's. Definitely. I mean, in that conference, whew, wow. Um, yeah, just now, let me say, I have not actually listened to the sessions themselves. Um, I haven't, you know, and so that's probably not the fairest yeah. thing. It's probably always a good idea to, to go ahead. So and the, actually... report, the report does provide summaries mm-hmm. of the talk. Yeah. And uh, uh, apparently they're very good. Yeah, and, and you get the feel from the report that they're not trying to do anyone in. So, you, you know, it's... Um, 
it's probably a safe safe thing. Just just for the record, I haven't you know actually listened to it. And often it is worthwhile going ahead and listening to the thing because um, you know you see something and it's sometimes something is quoted and you know when it's said it just comes across completely differently. So whatever. But um, the bottom line is, um, according to that report and those summaries, wow, yeah, that was just way beyond what I would. I'm, I was I was just saying to you before we started recording. I mean, I'm just quite shocked. I, I thought that the conference would be a lot more nuanced and careful than yeah. uh, than it was. But um, if that report is correct, that is, um, it's definitely, I mean, I think there's a reason there's a bit of a, um, you know, a back and forth about this uh, in the PCA. There needs to be, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the thing that I thought would be, would be great for us to discuss is the whole question of SSA, same-sex attraction, mm-hmm. and the question of is it a sinful thing to be tempted inwardly by homosexual desire? And so just to put it out there in layman's terms, um, you and I would have had the same example placed before us. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to temptation, as a young Christian, you go to your mentor, whoever that person would have been, and you say, man, I just can't stop thinking these sexual thoughts, whatever mm-hmm. the case is, and they say, Take hope, brother. You know, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you mm-hmm. can stop it from nesting in your hair. <laughs> and uh, by that way, you know, you sort of felt much better about the fact that you weren't choosing to dwell on the, the thought. Yeah. And the thought itself was sort of excused <clears throat> and wasn't seen as sins. Now, we, we sort of take that uh, little anecdotal lesson and bring it over to the question of homosexual desire. And we have to ask the question. Is homosexual desire a bird flying over our heads that we can't help? Is it something neutral? Is it something natural? Or is it something sinful in and of itself? Well, and, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the one of the words that caught my attention just reading through that report, which I thought was really helpful, is the the word unbidden. Um, you know, this this temptation or thought. Let's leave it at that for now sort of pops into your mind unbidden, you know, or maybe beyond in your mind. It's more like pops into your nature, <laughs> pops into your being, yeah. defines who you are unbidden, you know. Um, I found that really helpful because really, I mean, you know, this is the Romans 7 struggle, Romans 7 going on Romans 8. I mean, this is like what what of our temptations are bidden, you know. There's nothing, <laughs> there's not not one single part of us that, that wants us to, you know, be wrestling that way as true you know, um, yeah, for sure. people that want holiness and, and those who have, have um, responded to the gospel. I mean, there is a, um, there. it's all unbidden, right? And, um, and and so, the I mean, you can't just say that because it's unbidden, it is not sinful. Yes. You know, I mean, because th- that would mean, it would almost, you know, render moot the whole Romans 7 wrestle <laughs> you know yeah. like what are you even talking about it's all it's a non-issue paul and uh, martin luther's book bondage of the will it's i mean one of the things the uh the report says and i'll just read you a little line it says it is one of the hallmarks of reformed anthropology that sin can be both unchosen bondage mm-hmm. and willful rebellion at the same time yes. a kind of voluntary servitude as calvin put it and i think this is what you're referring to Hmm. this is true for all people not just for those with same-sex attraction we all have disordered desires that arise in us unbidden Hmm. oh there we go yeah come on yeah Yeah, i mean that's hey that ministers to me in terms of um well that's my life without a doubt you know and um and yeah i mean i just i just think of jesus's 
you know, uh, exposition of the law, essentially, you know, uh, to look <laughs> upon a woman with lust, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, what is that? Yeah. Is that just a bird flying over your head? Well, it seems like you're guilty of adultery at some level, you know, according yeah. to what Jesus is saying. So it, it doesn't seem like you need to, you know, have that nest in order for that to be there. Now, one of one of the uh, conundrums that I had on this question earlier on in my thinking on this was, you know, Jesus was tempted in every way as we are. Mm. So, like, well, I heard one of someone say, "Well, then Jesus must have been tempted with homosexual desires." Right, right. And um, one of the things this particular document clarifies is, no, Jesus wasn't tempted mm. in the way that you are. If those temptations arise from a sinful nature, because Jesus did not have a sinful nature, yeah, he was the last he Adam. Had- yeah. yeah, he went through the pain of the temptation. Mm-hmm. He experienced temptation from without. He experienced temptations that you will never experience mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, having to endure the wrath of God willfully and all those sorts of things. <laughs> but, yeah. but wow. um, you know, we cannot say that Jesus experienced the torment of having to wrestle with homosexual desires which sprout yeah. from a fallen nature. Yeah, totally. It's a, I think that's a very important uh, point. Yeah. And... Um, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think for me, just thinking about that whole, um, to try and be as, as kind of understanding as possible in terms, I mean, there is, of course, a reality that, you know, and, and you could drive yourself crazy, I think, if you probably weren't clear on this as well, in that, you know, there, there are times when we feel just assaulted by, I, I know, you know what I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of, um, Pilgrim's, no, not Pilgrim's Progress, uh, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. I think it's John oh, Bunyan. Do you know yeah. when he talks about that, when he's almost going mad from, you know, just being assaulted by this, <laughs> uh, you know, by Satan, just feeling yeah. like he is just thinking of all these perverse thoughts and that sort of thing. And, um, and you know, I, I mean, that was quite an extreme scenario. I think I got the right book. I hope I'm not misquoting the book there, but um, I'm pretty sure it was Bunyan. And, um, and that's quite an extreme scenario. But at the same time, um, it, I think we can all resonate with that. Like sometimes you do feel like, what is even going on? This is just kind of catching me, you know, what, what's happening here. And that is different from that little bit of allowing something to nest, you know. Um, yes. But it's almost like we've, um, you know, the, the, the problem is less distinguishing those two things. And it's more just trying to claim that uh, there is a point at which we are without blame at any stage you know I think the, the the real thing for me has been to come to terms with the reality that every second of my life is this blasphemous offense to God uh, yeah. you know not in terms of just simply what I think but in terms of my being you know I, I am the sin you know what I mean it, <laughs> it, it is me like how do you not do that yeah. you know it's just it is you you are yeah. you are fallen that's it's 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 woven within your your makeup so the, it's i love the things i hate yeah, yeah. exactly so even when you're not thinking about them i mean we're talking about something that that god sees in you in your inclinations yeah. which is beyond anything that we can really you know access but at the same time you know we are in the same way that we would distinguish from you know like murder is not thinking about murder or unjust hatred um there is a, even though Jesus is sort of bringing it in and expositing it to that level of, of inner life, uh, he's not saying that they are exactly the same thing. And, and so yeah. I think in the same, using that same model, we would, we would have to say that, you know, allowing the bird to nest is different from, you know, having it fly over you, but yeah. not different in the sense that the one is sinful and the one isn't, you know, we are the sin is the bottom line. 
Yes, by nature, children of wrath. Yeah. Now, uh, what did you think of the uh, analysis between, you know, the notion of our involuntary disordered desires uh, being compared to Roman Catholic understanding of sin? Uh, concupiscence, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, wow. Incredibly I, insightful. Totally, I did. I, you, know, you know, my actual, my first thought, which is not entirely relevant to what we're talking about now, but it, it might be worth saying. Uh, I get a little bit nervous when I hear stuff like that now, because especially when Bavink was the next guy mentioned, because yeah. just knowing their thing and how they just want to turn any little deviance from a Kuyperian model of Calvinism, you know, into Roman Catholic, something or other. You know, if you're, if you're just deviating even in the least, you're just, wow, you're Thomistic, you know, and um, and I'm just uh, I'm just aware of that. And um, yeah, well, they quote Calvin as well. So they say, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Agrees with Calvin, so it's totally, um, totally less a Kuyperian angle as opposed to a Calvinistic angle. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but in terms of, yeah, I think I mean, they got a point. So uh, concupiscence, how can we give a rough and dirty um, well, definition I mean, of basically, that? The, the Roman Catholic teaching on anthropology is that when God made man, there was a wild aspect in man which always needed to be ruled by the Spirit. So man wasn't created perfect or good or sinless as we teach it or understand it. Yeah. They always believed that the flesh in and of itself was wild and unruly and always needed the Spirit to govern it. Mm. And without the Spirit, that concupiscence arises. Mm. So when Adam sins, what happens is you remove the Spirit and the latent nature mm. of the flesh arises mm. in other words it was always there god made sin mm. which is what the roman catholic church uh basically endorses at the end of it all right very very related to the nature grace thing um yeah which is kind of my hesitance because i know just looking at the two kingdoms thing the whole the common grace deal it just it weaves right in there and bavink is very keen to call two kingdoms guys you know uh, <laughs> heavily Roman Catholic on the nature grace dualism. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I think, yeah, no, look, it's, it's a point in that what they're saying is kind of, it's capitulating to that. Well, um, look, I think what's going on in the modern day debate is they're sanctifying yeah. sinful, sinful desires. That's right. Yeah. In the yeah. same way in which the Roman Catholic church sanctifies carnal nature. Yeah. And even just the way they, I mean, I think the direct yep. bearing would be on the way that in, in Roman, and this is, I mean, I'm, I, I could be I could stand corrected on this, but my understanding is that they, uh, you know, the whole thing as a result of concupiscence is that you could experience the temptation and it's not a sin until you act on it. It's yeah, exactly. basically the whole thing. That's so, the teaching of Gloria Vale. It's the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church, and now it's the teaching of the SSA movement. Right. So in that, in that sense, uh, yeah, I mean, like it's an undeniable point. Yeah. Um, so he, he uh, they quote Calvin. It says Calvin explicitly teaches these these inordinate desires, and in the Latin it's concupiscence uh, <laughs> uh, should be yeah. called not merely weakness but sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and oh man. So if you um, are listening to this and you haven't um, and you are interested in the topic, I would recommend going to to read that report because they uh, do go into all of these things and they give um just some good biblical sort of throwback on some of the 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 points discussed um i think it is just helpful in getting to the nub of some of the issues as well because they cover identity they cover concupiscence uh what are the other things they look at um just having a look here um i'll i'll just quickly skim through labels and identity yeah so that's what we've already discussed yeah um spiritual friendship yeah that was the other one totally what did you think 
Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because it was interesting. You know, you've got, I, I felt like that was probably the more overtly unbiblical side of things, you know, and yeah. um, it, it almost folded in on the on the thing that came through a few times in that they're wanting to, uh, you know, amen, we're not going to be homosexual, you know, oh, at least we're not going to pursue those desires. Amen, we think, uh, you know, uh, marriage as traditionally defined is the way to go. Amen, you know, all these things for which. We're all thankful, but uh, friendship's more important than marriage. Exactly, and and there's a lot about uh, same-sex attraction that should be redeemed. Oh, <laughs> you know, in yeah, that context, exactly. and I'm like, okay, you know, that's skirting. Look, and again, you know, let's let's um, put it on to another topic. Um, I don't know. Okay, we've used alcoholism. I'm just trying to think of. Okay, let's go pornography, um, where. You've got um, if, if I, I, I in some general vague sense it's true. Like I mean, obviously God created sex. It's something that is being uh, you know uh, maligned and abused, and yet to redeem a desire for um, good sex, I suppose is possible. It's just it's just because of the the context, because of the environment, because of the discussion and its nature, because of its volatility. That the way that is not a helpful way to approach it. Um, yeah. You know, and especially in terms of what they were saying um, about that, I think it. You know, again, I'd have to look at the actual, the actual uh, sessions to to make uh, any further comments. But it feels to me that 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 went way over anything yeah. I'd be okay with. So then another issue they raised was the gift of gayness. Yeah, yeah. The gift of homosexuality. This and then of great course- example as well because there, I mean, you know, what they were saying is that. You know, to the degree that someone would lay down their life for Christ and and uh, die to self and you know mortify this the, the flesh and you know and be an example to others, Amen. You know, yeah. Um, and to the degree that you have, pe- yeah, yeah. To to the degree that you have people doing that, it's almost, you know, I mean, of course there is a um, there is I mean, we'll all be thankful to the Lord for His grace and the example of it in our midst. Um, but yeah, it's just a, is it the right way to go about that? You know, it seems yeah. like a skating right on the threshold, trying to find an avenue. And you can understand that, you know, thinking in those terms leaves the opposing party feeling like they can't relax, you know, because if they just let this thing go for a second, they're just going to skate right off the edge, you know? Yeah. And um, I don't know, that's the feeling I got coming away with it. I was like, the language was just pushing the envelope. It, uh, in in ways that weren't were not relaxing the other side, you know, and uh, the other side again is already it, let's. I mean, they said it in the paper, and I think this is right, but they haven't. You know, churches have not done a great job with um, with handling this issue. Um, you know, there yeah. has been homophobia. We'll, we talked about that in a past episode. You know, we don't. We need to cool it down. You know, we need to help the situation, not not. Yeah. You, know, uh, but, you know, let it give it the feel that we're sort of bringing it right into the the throes of some new kind of orthodoxy. Anyway, and, yeah. and we only say these words of critique in order to bring it back to the gospel and the grace which truly helps, and the local church, which is the community which people suffering from these sorts of lifestyle sins. Yeah, that's the place they're going to find restoration and uh, tr- the connection they need. It is, and and it is that you know, everyone, if there's any hope at all. And I just think, for example, of any other thing that anyone would struggle with for the rest of their lives. Yeah, triumphalism needs to die, you know, and, and it needs to be replaced with the biblical doctrine of total depravity and the way sanctification works, you know. Progressive sanctification. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, 
stop realizing your eschatology and all those big theological concepts will have every bit of a difference in terms of us persevering in the Christian life. Um, and, you know, that also is true for, for um, uh, you know, things when we, we were thinking about the local church and its ability to help people that are struggling with major, major things long term. You can't, it's not going to help anyone if we're pulling the punches or if we're um, if we're softening the theology, it's just going to, you know, it's almost like saying, take this cure, uh, not cure in the sense of, you know, silver bullet, but take this balm, take this comfort and, um, you know, water it down. Um, yeah. and, Become quackery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, I think that's that's huge. And uh, they did end it really well. What was that quote by Spurgeon? I love that. Where uh, speak, speak truth, um Gently or softly, I can't remember how he said it. He said it in the way that Spurgeon might say it. Typically memorable yeah, and awesome. Uh, but yeah, have a look out. Have a look out for that statement in the report if you do go and read it. Something yeah, to the well worth reading. Yeah, something to the effect. You know, just make sure you're not. You, you know, we need the edgy theology. We need to be able to talk about this as it is in the scripture, and yet we need to do it kindly and for the purposes, very clear intention of helping uh, or letting equipping the church to actually be of help. Um, is, yeah. is what I took away. Yeah. Good. Well, um, this is getting on in time, so maybe we should uh, draw this to a close. Um, you happy to do uh, drop it there? Yeah, sounds good. I think right. we covered the base. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So this was Philosophy Friday, which should have been on Systematic Saturday, <laughs> which is actually on Friday, and we'll deal with Systematic Saturday tomorrow, which is actually going to be Friday. Right. Have... Now, back to the future. <laughs> back to the future. All right. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.